Hello Agent. Welcome to the Impossible Missions Podcast, hosted by Rob Kinea and Kevin Hunt. We're fans of the Mission Impossible movie franchise, and the mission we've chosen to accept is to watch, for the first time, the classic television series that inspired it. As always, should we be caught or killed, the Secretary will disavow any knowledge of our actions. Good evening, Mr. Hunt. Good evening, Mr. Kanea. And good evening, listener. Man. I keep forgetting uh, to mention you guys. Ooh, ten of you. <laughs> well, yeah. Hopefully. Well, thanks for listening, and thanks for continuing to listen. With our daft entertainment for ourselves, mostly. Even if we, even if we get one or two listeners, I'll be happy with that. As long as our mums like it. <laughs> yeah. N- not that my mums listen to it. No, my mum doesn't either, really. <laughs> mums. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, we are now living in a post-Dan Clown world, aren't we? Yeah. Are you sad you may never see Dan Clown ever again? No, I'm. I'm. Um, I'm happy that I I got to experience it. <laughs> and what it was an experience. Let's. It was. It. Yeah. Bloody hell, it was good, wasn't it? It was. But yeah, no, no Dan Clown in this episode. Sorry to um, ruin any uh, Dan Clown fans out there. But this episode's pretty good, man. This was really good. This was up there with Operation Rogosh for me. Yeah, so this this was season one, episode six, Odds on Evil. Odds on Evil, good title. Dan is at the arcade. He is, yeah. Spot of robot boxing, or whatever yeah. the hell that was. Loving it as well. He was, Absolutely, yeah. Every, yeah, having a great time. Big old smile on his face, he loves it. Yeah. Um, but he can't play robot boxing all day, so he heads off to the attendant of the arcade and says that he wants to watch one of the old talkies. Um, so I'm assuming like talking picture movie. Yeah. Like well, he was when when he was walking through the um, the arcade going towards the back. I couldn't not think of Tron <laughs> when he. Was, I was like, man, this is like Flynn's arcade, but the '60s version. See, I would have loved it if he got sucked into a game. <laughs> my mind went somewhere else because where? What would you be taking into a curtained off back room to watch? <laughs> Uh, Tron. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, he he, he exchanges some uh, code phrases with the attendant, as they tend to do, and he takes it out the back. And um, there's a number of these sort of old machines. They're like, Mm. I don't know, they stood kind of shoulder height, I suppose. Uh, Yeah. Chromed, sort of silver thing. Yeah, beautiful looking, ornate, um, huge machine with a tiny little viewing window at the top. I've only ever seen one of these before in any kind of TV show or film or I've never seen one in real life and um, it's going to sound really random I saw it in a Donald Duck cartoon <laughs> called Good and I remember the name of the, the episode it was called Good Time for a Dime Good Time and for a Dime Donald Duck goes into one of these old arcades and he looks at one of these picture things but it's an, it's a picture of a, a female duck shall we say and she's removing her clothes <laughs> in a cartoon. And I swear I don't. I'm, I'm not imagining this. And it stops before he gets to the good stuff. <laughs> and he gets he gets really angry as Donald Duck does. But yeah, I was just thinking, oh my god, if he looks in there and it's an animated duck, I'm like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, my, so. my bro- if my brother's listening to this, he will know. We exactly we used to watch we used to watch Good Time for a Dime. Well, we never really wanted a good time. So it's like um, like a freestanding thing, isn't it? Yeah, as I said, it stands about shoulder height. It's got four feet, a kind of a body, and then a, a sort of drum 
yeah. top head to it with mm. a scope that you look down into yep. the machine and a crank handle on the front that you turn to make it to make it work. <laughs> that, um, was, that wasn't the crank handle. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, we're back to Dan's organ again, aren't we? <laughs> so I was like, what, what is this thing? And after a bit of poking around on the old internets, um, I think it's a, what they called a mutoscope. Okay. M-U-T-O scope. And they were the sort of thing that you'd find apparently in a prom, uh, a peer arcade mm. kind of like, okay. you know, put it in a dime maybe and crank the handle. So <laughs> they're kind of, it's not film. It works on the same principle as like a flip book, you know, like you'd... Oh, okay, yeah, 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 yep. Um, mm. So inside that, that drum, that cylinder bit is essentially a massive Rolodex of cards lined up in a row. So when you turn the crank handle, it brings them one by one past the viewfinder that you're looking down. To make it look like it's animated or like a movie or something, yeah. Of a moving image, yeah. From what I could tell, I don't think they had sound... Because um, the the attendant guy gives Dan mm. a pair of headphones and he plugs yeah. it into the base. Mm. Um, but as far as I can tell, I don't think these had sound. So that's just a that's just a little extra for Mission Impossible. I suppose mm. they probably yeah, just yeah. drilled a hole in the unit <laughs> so that you could plug <laughs> the thing yeah. in. And uh, actually, if you look at it a bit closely, it's got on the the base of the unit uh, like sculpted uh, Native American. Portraits. Oh, okay, right. And there's like a, an eagle in flight on the side of the drum. I didn't notice that. Um, yeah. And as I was, you know, googling around trying to find out what this thing is, I came across exactly the same thing. If you do a YouTube search mm. for its American Restoration Mutoscope, uh, there's a little video. It's, it must be some American program where they restore old junk that people bring to mm. them. It yeah. is that exact model. No way. This. It, with the the Native American images on it and the eagle on the side, and wow. they open it up and you can see the inner working. So you can actually see. Yeah. I think they said it's like eight hundred and fifty separate cards on to this make that one loaded into this drum that rotates. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, he the attendant leaves him alone. Dan's got his headphones in, mm-hmm. starts to crank the handle, and uh, this machine plays him the briefing. So yet again, mm. another ridiculously elaborate way. Yeah. <laughs> to what? get his impossible mission briefing. Why they can't. Yeah, they're getting more elaborate as they go on, aren't they? Because one of the first, first or second episode, he had a business card. And he had the the, the LP, didn't he? Yeah, the yeah the cinema. I I like that though. I I like that. It's it's part of the part of the charm of the show, really. Part of the mystique. Yeah, yeah. I I still desperately want to see the step in the process that comes before this, which is how Dan finds out where he's got to go and how he's going to get the message. Yeah, I'm hoping it's another secret message. Just so, just as an endless chain of secrets. His (laughs) life is just basically weird messages, (laughs) one after another, from Monday to Friday, because I imagine he gets weekends off. I hope so. Yeah. So, the mission briefing. Good evening, Mr Briggs. This is Prince Iban Costas absolute ruler of a tiny principality whose sole income derives from its famous gambling casino. It's Costas's intention to declare war on the oil-rich nation that borders his. He has accumulated a million and a half dollars to purchase arms from a man named Borgman. The munitions ship is already on its way. Mr Briggs, your mission, should you decide to accept it, would be to prevent the delivery of those arms and make sure that Costas cannot buy any more. As always, should you or any of your IM force be caught or killed, the Secretary will disavow any knowledge of your actions. And then it says, this material will decompose in five seconds. 
which Dan seems to enjoy. Really enjoy, This yeah. is part of the smoke the, comes highlight out of, of the, the message, isn't it, the really? The mutoscope, he's grinning from ear to ear. There's a nice little bit, where's the sort of voiceover on the... It's not even a recording. Well, I suppose it's an audio recording and him cracking mm. the handle. He, he stops cranking the handle at a certain point so that he's just got one image of this Prince Costas. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as if it's looking at him... And he's looking at it. They're kind of meeting eye to eye. And we get a reverse shot from inside the machine, looking up the scope at Dan's, Dan's eyes. eyes. Yeah, like he's he peering kind of, through a letterbox or something. Yeah, yeah, like as he fixates on his target, which I thought was a nice little. Yeah, it was good actually. Yeah, uh, touch yeah. that. Yeah, very good. Okay, so then we're we're off to the apartment for the impossible mission. Facebook. Yep. I'm like, assuming this is Dan's apartment. I guess I like it's it. It's a nice apartment. Yeah, black very and, nice. The theme is kind of black and white, isn't it? Yeah. It's quite minimalist. Very bit, simple, very Dan. Bit 60s, yeah, it's yeah. good. So, yeah, the uh, the pictures he pulls out of the, the book this week. So we've got Rollin. Yeah, we did. We both did a cheer. A <laughs> <laughs> love for Rollin in this room. Yeah, he's a good... He's, he's good. great, he's... Cinnamon. Cinnamon. Ooh. She also got a cheer. Barney. Barney, yeah. This one's a good one for Barney, because he actually does provide some yeah, really I, good um, tech. Yeah, he does. And he, he gets um he he looks pretty sharp in this oh, episode yeah, as well, yeah. which we'll get to, but um They all look pretty sharp because it's a they know, do actually, yeah, a casino, casino yeah. you dress up for it. Uh Willie comes out. Yep. And then another picture of a character whose name is not given to us, I don't think, at any point in the during entire the episode. Thing, <laughs> but his character name is actually Andre Malif. How, where, where did you find is that from IMDb uh, or like the book or yeah, the dossier the, uh, the dossier book Patrick oh, okay. White's book yeah Andre Malif and it's just a picture just a headshot all the other ones so far we've had a little bit of flavour a little document in, in the folder yeah there's nothing for him at all no um, but yeah he was um, yeah there was no no explanation or background for this guy at all no which all the way through it, I was thinking there's a reason why they've done that um, and there wasn't. <laughs> no. <laughs> Not in the story anyway. But no. Yeah. It's, a, yeah, it's an odd one. We'll come to it a little bit later on. I've, I have a theory, but anyway. Okay. So, yeah, we're still in the apartment. A little bit later on, they've set up a roulette wheel. And Barney is explaining uh, this accessory that he's made for Cinnamon's handbag, clutch purse. <laughs> Who knows yeah, what yeah. It is. A, a proper gold shiny really number. gold sparkly very yeah. cinnamon very cinnamon <laughs> um, and it is apparently a sensor that monitors the roulette wheel and also calculates the speed of the ball and the speed of the wheel and feeds all that data into a computer mm. uh, a computer good gadget yeah it's, it's, it's all good gadget mate it's great <laughs> um, the computer isn't the sensor thing that's a separate thing the computer is mm. uh, wired into a waistcoat uh, so it's like a number of small computer boxes that are inside this waistcoat, which <laughs> they put the waistcoat on really, don't they? And then they put his um, sort of suit jacket on over the yeah, top of yeah. it. It obviously pads him out a little bit. Mm. And um, Cinnamon, <laughs> Cinnamon. <laughs> Cinnamon gives him a look up and down. And she says, well, he looks like he has a few extra muscles, if that's possible. Yeah. Oh, calm some, uh, down, Cinnamon. Calm I know. down. Um, Barney says uh, to keep the weight down, he had to use a minimal power source. So um, whoever's wearing it will need to stay close to the table and the sensor mm. so they can relate to each other. Yeah. And then the uh, third part of this gadget as a whole is a modified watch where, you know, on um, watch faces, they've got the little window with the date. They've yep. modified it so that it's got the numbers from the roulette wheel. Mm. Yeah, and yeah. as it gets fed the data from the sensor and the computer, 
it stops on the right number to give the wearer an indication of where, where it's going to stop. Yeah, yeah. It's a table. really blingy watch as well, wasn't it? It was like <laughs> yeah. encrusted with diamonds. I mean, a bit of bling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, the uh, Andre's wearing it, and they give mm. it. They try it out, but um, Barney spins the wheel, throws the ball in. It comes up with the yeah. right number. Uh, so that's going to work. Rollins pretty pleased. He's quite happy throughout yeah. this whole episode. He is, yeah, yeah. And he says, was it with this and certain other devices, they should be able to take uh, Prince Costas for his one and a half million dollars. Mm. But when he realises that he's been had, he'll seal the country up tight as a drum. So it's going to be tricky to get the money out. Yeah. Which is the point at which Dan sort of wanders over and drapes a fur coat over Cinnamon's shoulders. <laughs> and she says, this is the most beautiful money bag she's ever seen. She looked at home in that um, jacket as well, didn't she? <laughs> So I looked at all these little bits of gadget. Bear in mind, this is 1966 that they've mm. made this. And I thought to myself, well, I watched Hidden Figures the other week. Oh, that's the, a great movie film. About, yeah, yeah, um, the NAS- ladies behind NASA. Yeah, getting the man to orbit the Earth, was it, or something like that. And they have a computer in that yeah. that takes up an entire room. Yeah. So this is similar kind of era. Same era, yeah, yeah, 60s, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, so that's a room-sized computer in 1960-whatever. This is 1966. How is it possible that they had a computer that small that they could wear? Yeah, but you forget, Willie is a room-sized man, so... (laughs) (laughs) Be that as it may, I started to have a little poke around, and I went down a research rabbit hole that actually turned out to be fascinating. Did you? Okay, yeah, come on, let's do it. So, early 60s, there's a a guy, he's a mathematics professor, Edward O. Thorpe working at MIT. Now, Thorpe uh, had already come up with a system for winning at Blackjack by using right, okay. the IBM machine, which was a big, massive, room-sized machine that was you know, at his disposal at MIT yeah. uh, to come up with, I don't know, equations, algorithms, working stuff out, and had published a book uh, about it, which had been a bit of oh, a mess. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah I, can, I wonder why. Um, so, yeah, working at... <laughs> Working at MIT gave him access to two important things, the IBM 704, massive computer, Mm. and a fellow mathematics professor called Claude Shannon, uh, who had worked on cryptography and co-breaking during the war. Okay. Another smart dude. And they sort of started to wonder, could they apply mathematics and science to try and beat the game of roulette? Okay. Uh, so I suppose it's more of a physics problem with roulette, isn't it? It's like yeah, how, it's how fast is it going? When gravity and all that. that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, he published this book. It was called Beat the Dealer. Give me five minutes. I'm just going on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> so so together between the two of them, they this mad challenge they set themselves would lead them to develop what is thought to be the first wearable computer in the world. Right, so what they came up with in the end was a computer that was roughly the size of a packet of cigarettes. Uh, it didn't consist wow, okay. of much. Right. Um, it had about 12 transistors in it. And it allowed the user to time the revolutions of the ball on the wheel to determine where it would end up, you know, to, within a certain degree of accuracy. Mm, okay. So the input was through switches hidden in their shoes. And the output were audible tones that were played through an earpiece. Okay. The idea was that they divvy up the roulette wheel into eight sections, like the points of a compass. Right, okay. And they yeah. called them octants, mm. I think it is. And I guess the machine would beep, say, four times if it was going to go 
it thought in into the, the fourth octant, and then you would put your bet or cover your bets in that area of the roulette table. So, so you'd have to bet as as it was turning, as it was going round. Right. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Once it sort of fed it back to you, so it wasn't like a hundred percent accurate, but they. Yeah, so they got a, a regulation roulette wheel in the basement of one of these two guys' houses. <laughs> and in an hour of betting no more than $25 per number, yeah, they won a fictional $8,000. Wow, oh my God. Yeah, so it gave them seemingly like a 44% better chance of beating the house. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. When you consider a, a single computer filled up a room... Yeah. And they've managed to... Bloody hell, that's... So, the summer of 1961, Mm. so that's, what, five years before this? Yeah. Yeah. They went to Vegas with their wives to try it out. On the sly, obviously. (laughs) Yeah. So, one of them would wear the... The one sitting at the table doing the betting would wear the (laughs) earpiece. Yeah. Okay. And the other one would stand near the, the, the roulette wheel... Um, pretending to be writing down which numbers were coming out, which apparently is what people would do anyway, so it didn't look right, too okay. suspicious. Right. Um, but they've got the computer on their waist hidden away and, and the, the switch shoes. in their foot, so yeah, they're, yeah. they're actually timing what's happening there. And their wives were there to keep an eye out for any like casino representatives working the floor. No, wait, well, so, so their if wives, they started I didn't to get know suspicious. if their wives were in on it as well. But yeah, 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 so yeah. if they started to get suspicious, the wives would sort of tip them off and off they would go. <laughs> and they had some success. They won a, you know, a reasonable sum of money. <laughs> but the, the real Achilles heel of it was apparently the earpiece um, mm. because they had to make the wires that were sort of coming up out of the collar, I suppose, to the ear. Oh, right, yeah. And how would you do uh, that unless you had long Inconspicuous hair enough. They wouldn't be easily spotted. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they made them very thin and they painted them a flesh tone, mm. but it made them really fragile so they would break. Right, okay. And uh, there's a little uh, quote from a paper which they published in 1998 about it. Um, it says, Once the lady next to me looked over in horror, I left the table quickly and discovered the speaker peering from my ear canal like an alien insect. <laughs> <laughs> So they they kind of retired it <laughs> as quickly as they started using it. Yeah. Um, they'd proven that it worked, mm. but it was you know it had technical issues. Um, and apparently you can see it if you go to the MIT Museum uh, in Massachusetts. Oh, it's there. It's on display there. Nice. Yeah. There's a bit I found a picture of it online. It's just like a clear box with some electronic doodads inside mm. it, very much like what you see Barney put in Cinnamon's handbag. That's really cool. I wonder yeah. if they knew. Anything new of that? Well, yeah, I tried to work that out. So he published a second edition of his book, Beat the Dealer, in April 1966. Okay. So this this show is going out on the air in October right. 1966. So it must have been in production in the summer, late summer, something like that. Um, and in the second edition of the book, he included a few details about his experiment with this machine. So, that, you know, people were aware that there, he had made a computer that could work it out. Yeah. Um, and one of the writers of this episode, because it's written by a team, William Reed Woodfield, uh, was apparently a bit of a magician <laughs> and a, a con devotee and a self-described apprentice cheat. Oh, so must have I, can't, then, I can't... It's not too much of a stretch of the imagination to think he had read this book. Because if someone publishes yeah. a book that says you can win at blackjack, and you're uh, and yeah, you you're interested in it, yeah, you're gonna you you will. So I reckon that's yeah. They've pitched yeah. a few little bits from there. Oh, yeah, it's cool. But apparently, this they did publish a proper paper on it in 1998, um, 
which the description I've read of it briefly says it's not the sort of dry read that you'd expect a scientific paper to be. It's quite quite entertaining. So oh, I might, good. I might okay, check yeah. that out later. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I disappeared down a little Google black hole on that one. But I yeah. rather enjoyed it. I learned... And then after this, maybe stuff. we could disappear down to the uh, casino in Southend. <laughs> yeah. don't, sh- don't listen, casino in Southend. Oh, yeah. <laughs> do you know how to build computers? Uh, I no, sadly, I do not. But I know a guy. I barely even know how to do a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, in the 70s, uh, there was a group of students that tried a similar sort of thing uh, from the University of California, Santa Cruz. And, uh, the group called themselves the it's the Eudemons, which is kind of named after a sort of good spirit in Greek mythology. Oh, okay. And the idea was they wanted to, A, prove that they could do it, and B, raise a little bit of money on the sly for the science department or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, so their computing, instead of being hidden like up their jumper or tucked in their belt, was actually built into the shoe. Oh, cool. And hidden away That's in very, uh, very 007. Um, and it worked. Uh, apparently the feedback for that one wasn't an earpiece. It was... Um, something wrapped around their body that vibrated. Oh, so I okay, guess yeah. It, it gave the same sort of like four or five... Inconspicuous, yeah. Yeah, four or five vibrations, put it on quadrant four, mm. quadrant five, whatever. They retired that one after <laughs> the, the sweat from one of them's foot shorted out the solenoid <laughs> and it burnt a hole in their foot. So they uh, they kind of gave up on that one. But oh. apparently their, little, their plot was used as the basis of an episode of CSI. Called no, no more bets. Oh, yeah, nice. And the last little computer in casinos fact that I came up with was, it was not illegal to use computers to attempt to predict outcomes of blackjack and roulette and stuff like that in Nevada, Las Vegas casinos until 1985. Is that because it was just they didn't believe they probably that... got ripped off one too many times? Yeah, and, and finally went, yeah, no. <laughs> They probably at the beginning they probably thought that this isn't going to work. You, yeah. you know, have, have your fun with your computer. There's no way you're going to beat the machine, I suppose. Yeah. But yeah, um, oh, that's really interesting. So we cut to uh, Costas's pretend country, uh, mm. which seems to consist of stock film of Monaco. <laughs> yeah, so you can see like the the fancy buildings off the waterfront and all the all the boats moored up. <laughs> and in the casino, Prince Costas, played by Nehemiah Persoff, I think mm-hmm. you pronounce it. He's playing Baccarat, which in this country is called the Game of the Prince. Because he is Prince which, Costas. Because he, he wins it all the time. Yeah. Because he's cheating. He is a cheating git. Uh, <laughs> Baccarat, very James Bond. Yep. Because in the the novel Casino Royale, mm. not the Daniel Craig movie, but in the novel, Baccarat is the game that Le Chief and Bond mm. play that Bond yeah, White that's right. Yeah, yeah. His money out. Mm. Um, so that was what 1953, I think that was published. So that must must have been in the mm. minds of the writers as well. Yeah, yeah. Because this taking money off him in a card game in a casino. Yeah, he's very. <laughs> so very... that he can't buy guns or finance terrorism. Yeah, or whatever. That's yeah, this is very casino royale, isn't and it? We said that on Mission Unguessable last week that oh, it's the IMF team doing casino royale. I'm going to, on Mission Unguessable this week, I'm not going to say, oh, it's the IMF team doing, and then name another James Bond film. <laughs> but this was very Casino Royale. Yes, yeah, um, I think this one we're, we're justified in uh, mm, in thinking it. Yeah, definitely. The, the premise was pretty similar. So the prince is a, is a kind of funny little man, isn't he? He's got his very yeah. thin moustache and his yeah. cravat. Cinnamon is deployed onto the uh, casino floor. 
Oh yeah, she she is, is she's dialed in her element. Yeah, she's dialed yeah. femme fatale up to eleven. Yes. Um, so yeah, she sort of charms her way into the back of the game, which is the table's got the prince is sat there and he's surrounded by men, you know, toadies or whatever, sucking up mm-hmm. to him. Yeah. Who he when he sees that Cinnamon wants to come and join the game, he shoes them all off. He's like, leave us. <laughs> <laughs> and we get, I suppose, is essential in this as it was in Casino Royale, where they explain to you how the hell Baccarat works. <laughs> yeah. So one player buys, they call the bank, uh, and places a bet. One or more of the other players equal that amount if they mm. want to play. Yeah. And the bank has got, I think they call it the shoe. It's like a box that contains the cards that they, mm. they deal oh, yeah. out. Yeah. They've sort of been pre-shuffled or, and, and put in there. Uh, so the banker deals each player two cards, and the player then looks at their cards, and they add the numbers up. So if anyone's got either eight or nine at this mm. stage, because the nine is like the best score that you can get, mm. that's it. That rounds over the game yeah. they've won. Yeah. If no one's got eight or nine, you can then choose to draw another card. So say you've got six or seven, you might mm. decide to stick with it and see how it plays out. Yeah, take a chance on that. Uh, or you can choose to have one more card. Yeah. Which you add up. So if you go over over nine, if you're into double digits, it's the the, the second digit that counts. So say mm. you've got eleven. Yeah. You've actually got one. Right. Yeah. Yeah. If a ten comes out or a picture card, they have no value at all. Mm-hmm. Zero. Uh, so yeah, only the last digit counts. So after that third one, whoever's got the highest score wins the round. Mm. Takes the money. Yeah. So he explains all that to Cinnamon, who who plays the sort of. <laughs> Isn't this fun? She's like, like her, she's doing some world class flirting during that scene with um, Prince Costas as well. But it's, um, well, see, he says to her, I think you are a dangerous woman. <laughs> and she says, Ah, little does he know. <laughs> she says, All women are dangerous, your highness. He goes full Kenneth Connor out of the carry on films in that scene as well. It's because he's got the little moustache as well, but he's like, he's pursing his lips and he's like, Honestly, it's like the same era as well, 60s and that as well. You, but, don't, um, you don't mean Kenneth Williams again, do you? No, Kenneth Connor. Oh, you actually mean yeah, yeah, Kenneth Connor? Yeah, yeah, Kenneth Connor, yeah, yeah. No, no. Um, no, he's not He's not quite up to the height of Kenneth Williams. But um, yeah, if you see Kenneth Connor in some of the older carry on films, he's he's pretty scarily similar to um, Prince Costas. I actually thought it was him when I first saw him. <laughs> so, Cinnamon is playing a character called, I think it's Meredith. Mm. And, and the idea is that she's a woman who kind of got married so that she could get her inheritance. So she's, yeah. she's rich mm. and she got married to just someone who is the character that this Andre will be playing. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah. His character's name is Carlos. Okay. Um, so basically he's married her for the money and she married him so she could get her hands on the money. But there's supposedly no love in this marriage, <laughs> no. which is why she's throwing herself mm. at a prince just I guess because she's bored. Yeah, because like she that. can, yeah. Yeah, and the prince uh, appreciates it. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't appreciate... He loves it, doesn't he? He doesn't appreciate being interrupted when uh, the old arms dealer, Borgman, <laughs> played by Vincent van Lynn, uh, yeah, but he wants to talk to the prince. So uh, Costas grumpily makes his excuses. And He's um, Borgman... I wrote this down as part of my notes. Borgman does some amazing cock-blocking in this episode. <laughs> 
does. He's every, been around, doesn't he? Every time. And it happens a number of times. Every time Prince Costas is getting anywhere with Cinnamon or Cinnamon's character, <laughs> Borgman rocks up yeah. or rings him up saying, oh, I really need you for a minute. <laughs> yeah. It's like, God damn it, Borgman. You'd <laughs> yeah, be livid, wouldn't you? Yeah. Oh, God. And he is. He's yeah. so angry. His little round face goes all red. Little beetroot, yeah. <laughs> uh, he arranges yeah. with Cinnamon before he leaves that they have a drink mm. later on. Um, yeah. <laughs> Cinnamon goes back to the hotel room that the team are in. They seem to have hide out two rooms, one on a higher floor than the other one. Mm. Yeah, comes yeah. Up later on. And she's like, "He's Costas has gone with Borgman. <laughs> yeah. I must be losing my touch. <laughs> and they're worried now that Costas might, at this point, pay up to Borgman... And Bulbun will hand over the guns right now. Mm. They'd have missed their opportunity. Yeah. Uh, Barney says Costas won't pay until the ship is all tied up and the guns are unloaded. Mm. Then he grabs his coat and leaves. Yeah. So he's obviously got a plan. Yeah. Uh, Borgman wanted to speak to Costas because he wants to get the money cash on delivery mm -hmm. and he wants it to be in dollars. Mm. Yeah. Has he got one and a half million dollars in cash? And the prince is like, yeah, of course I have. Goes over to his safe behind a painting, opens it up, yeah. stacks of cash inside. It's literally the nearest wall as well. And I was thinking, <laughs> that's just one wall he's looked at. I'd love to know what's in the other walls as well. Uh, and Baldwin's like, all right, cool. Yeah, yeah I'll take you over it. And heads off out back to his own hotel room. Mm, in the yeah. corridor, looking snazzy, having had a change of costume. He's in a suit. It's like a, I don't know. It's like a check jacket. Brown and brown suit, jacket, yellow yeah, shirt. He was, um, he's Barney. He was looking sharp, he wasn't was. he? He looked sharper than the cat in Red Dwarf. <laughs> Ow. And, <laughs> and I was like, Yeah, Barney's getting something to do now, apart from normally, you know, hiding in an uh, air vent or. He's made an extremely complicated and efficient roulette cheating device mm. already this episode. <laughs> okay, yeah, all right, all right. No, I, I, I like to see him. I, he does. I, I've said this before that I don't feel like he gets enough to do. He's kind of like the background agent. He's he's the one you know in the room doing the gadgets. And yeah, things he'll like get that. involved but in the rough and tumble if he needs to. They need I want to see him do more of that. I want to see him actually get out there and do more. But I suppose that's not why he's hired. Well, he's out and about now because he's tailing Borgman yeah, down. Yeah, this the is why I was like, yeah, go on, Barney. And he follows him. You to work that suit. <laughs> <laughs> he follows him to his hotel room. Borgman goes in. Doesn't quite close the door behind him he stands there and yeah. Barney sort of quietly oh, yeah. walks in behind him <laughs> Borgman pulls a gun out spins around and holds Bar yeah. Barney at gunpoint but the way he like whipped around it was like he was auditioning for a for a Bond film and he, he goes he sort of <laughs> indicates with the gun you know that Barney should put his hands up <laughs> and he shouts out something and I thought he was what does he say it was like Swedish for freeze or whatever but he says yeah. Carl. When I put the subtitles on, it's Carl. And because in, in the hotel room is the captain of the ship with the guns on. Yeah, yeah. I assume that man's name is Carl. Right, okay. So that made sense of that because I couldn't work out what mm. it was. Um, but the way he whipped that gun up, like a really quick upwards motion, I thought, if he, any faster, he would have <laughs> accidentally pulled the trigger and blasted off Barney's head when he did that. <laughs> Carl, oh, I've done it again. <laughs> Fortunately, Barney does not get blasted, but we do go Good. to an ad break cliffhanger, which I thought was quite effective, actually. Yeah, it was, actually, yeah. You come back from the ad break. Now, I assume this is how Barney planned it all the way along, mm. or he just improvises at this point, because he 
He plays it cool, doesn't he? He basically does the, the shoot your cuff straight in your collar kind of. <laughs> Saunters I'm, over yeah. to the, the wine cooler or whatever it is. Genuine swagger over to the, like, the, the, the decanter of, of brandy yeah. or whatever. Pours himself a drink, sits mm. down. He's like, I'm here to make a deal. Yeah. <laughs> and Borgwin and Carl, the captain, are just like, what? Yeah. Even I was like, what the hell is going on here? So Barney uh, spins some story. He says... Every paper handler from New York to Hong Kong has been waiting for Prince Costas to sell some of his dough to a wholesaler, <laughs> and I want to buy 200000 300000 of that money if the discount is right. Mm. Um, so the story he's trying to spin to Baldwin is that Costas has got a big stash of counterfeit dollars. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And he's just buying a bunch of counterfeit money off of him rather than selling him arms. Yeah, yeah. So he's just sowing a little seed of doubt in Borgman's mind to keep him preoccupied yeah. and delay the deal. Borgman just gets the ache with him <laughs> and tells him to get out, <laughs> which is kind of the best outcome, really, because he could have just shot him. Yeah, yeah, because he has no idea who he is, doesn't know if he's there of anyone or... <laughs> Shoot him and, um, in the wardrobe and you're out there the day after, so it doesn't matter, does it? <laughs> no, and Barney covered that whole sequence pretty well because he must have been bricking it. Yeah, I, so. <laughs> I don't think he expected the gun to be whipped around <laughs> on him. This is why it's made me why, why I wondered was that his intention all along or did he just improvise? I like to think he just improvised. I think, oh yeah, I'd like to think he improvised as well. It, it makes more sense that he did because he wouldn't have known that he was armed. He didn't. He wouldn't have known that the captain was in that room as well. No, he wouldn't have known. No. But it's funny how he just like walked up behind. Um, you could just sort of Baldwin. stop right behind him. Yeah, like... No, and there's an awkward pause, foot, I guess, while the actors are working out whether everyone's... being accosted or something, but... I think while the actors are trying to work out whether everybody's in the right place for the shot. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so they let, him, they let him go and shut the door mm. behind him, and he sort of hangs around to overhear them arguing between themselves. Mm. Is, this, is it fake money? Is he trying to pay us off with fake money? Yeah, yeah. So he's pretty satisfied, and Barney goes back to the, uh, the hotel room. Back down in the casino, uh, Cinnamon keeps a drink date with Prince Costas. She does, yeah. Uh, Rollin, you can spot Rollin in the background getting settled at the back of a table. He's he's full on 007 in this as yeah, well. When he's, as soon as he's in that, bow tie, looking words. really suave, yeah. Um, so he's he's playing the game, and they they let him shuffle the cards before they go in the shoe, and they kind of fudge the execution of this a little bit. But the idea is that he palms a bunch of them, maybe like, 15 mm. cards or so. He just palms them and there's like a weird cut down to a shot of him fiddling with his suit well, jacket. Suit jacket, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's not really obvious until a, a scene or so later mm. that he's taken uh, Yeah, I didn't, I didn't realise what he'd done. I just thought he had an itch. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh yeah, so this is where Cinema actually tells the story to the prince about her hollow marriage and their inheritance and they <laughs> yeah. they show some setup of Andre playing the husband at the bar getting his drink mm. on yeah know? and he spots the two of them there she's kind of lounging all over the prince isn't she cinnamon yeah and yeah. he's he's loving it every minute isn't he there's 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 too many weird little kisses that Prince Costas keeps doing to Cinnamon. It's like, he'll go in and like give her a peck on the forehead. Kiss her hand. And then, yeah, like it's that. like, oh, He's God. a proper oily little zone. So he is, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we cut up to the hotel room and Rollins examining the cards that he pocketed. Mm. So, yeah, that's where it kind of becomes clear what happened. He knows that they're marked. It must be. How does mm. the prince keep winning otherwise? Yeah. 
but he hasn't quite worked out how yet. So he dashes off to the bedroom, grabs a couple of suitcases, <laughs> cracks them these open. These are great, these bags. In one of them is just basically everything a gambler would ever need. It's cards, yeah. chips, all yeah. manner of different things in it's there. It's like a casino at home kit, wasn't it? It was yeah. just opened out and everything was in there. Oh, and um, like a, you know, you get those sort of books that you can keep your DVDs in. <laughs> it's got oh, one. yeah. Yeah, it's got one of those, but it's yeah. full of contact lenses we discovered yeah. later on. Yes. Yeah. And the other case, when he cracks that open, has a seemingly a microscope in it. There was nothing micro about this microscope. <laughs> <laughs> it was massive. Yeah, like, we're, we're not talking carry-on luggage no, size, like a are we? <laughs> rocket launcher or something when he pulled this out of the suitcase. I was like, bloody hell, is he going to do that casino? I bet he never leaves home without it. I bet he doesn't, know. But it was, it, it was, honestly, I'm pretty certain there were smaller microscopes in the 60s than that. Surely. This was massive. They'd spent all the budget on the computer, though. Serious so bit of kit, yeah. They had to get a microscope from, like, the 1920s. <laughs> um, so, yeah, he starts fiddling with some... He can seemingly drop in and take out different lenses on the scope, mm. and he puts the card in it, he starts examining them uh, in that. He's looking at the back of the cards, isn't he, with the like the check pattern you have on the back of, like, playing yeah. cards. Yeah, um, Trying to see if he can find any markings on them because it was it was when they were doing that and he was slowly turning the cards around and then moving them across and things i was trying to it was like trying to do a magic eye <laughs> yeah. i was like what is he looking at i couldn't was, and, like, was an image going to suddenly appear out of it yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah borgman cock blocks the prince again doesn't he they, yeah second <laughs> cock block of the night <laughs> one of the waiters comes over with a phone and not just a, a small phone like a proper massive guilt <laughs> black and gold arrangement that he puts on the yeah. table and you can hear it creak under the weight of it. <laughs> um, so it's Borgman wants to talk to the prince, needs to talk to him on a matter of delicacy. Borgman is really funny in this scene because he was like uh, like almost a shamed voice. He was like, oh, but I need to speak to you now. <laughs> really... Almost as if he knew what Costas was up to. and He's like, he's going to kill me, but I need to talk to you. Yeah, I'm really sorry I have ruined your <laughs> evening again. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the prince goes and sees him and... Baldwin spins a story. I don't think he, he doesn't straight out say, is this counterfeit money? So he spins no. his story that the captain of the ship won't bring the ship into dock until he gets paid. Mm. And He's he wants. Share or whatever, yeah. Yeah, $10,000 or something like that. Uh, the prince, because he wants to get back to cinema, he's just a bit hand wavy. He's like, yes, fine. So yeah. he takes $10,000 out of the safe, gives it to him, and then buggers off back down to the casino. <laughs> Sprints back downstairs. <laughs> yeah. Back in uh, Rollins' room, he's found how the cards are marked. So on, he puts the right lens mm. in the microscope, a particular kind of filter. Yeah. And on the back of the card are now red numbers, big red numbers, mm. saying what the value of the card on the other side is. Yeah. Andre says to him, well, he, the prince doesn't wear glasses, so he must have contact lenses in. Mm. And that's when Rollin goes to his little book of contact lenses, which I assume is part of his disguise kit, probably. Well, would they be, though, if they've got... Because if if you wear... Well, I don't know, actually. I, I used to wear contact lenses, but they weren't, they weren't coloured contact lenses. But if you... I doubt you would have filters on lenses unless he knew he was... I didn't know how he, he knew he was going to need them. He astigmatism, didn't he? So perhaps they're more prescription mm. contact lenses for various uses. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm not sure. He had a lot in that little CD case thing, though, didn't he? Yeah, loads. But yeah, he picks out the one that he thinks mm. would be good enough to pick up the mark, so he's he's got that covered now. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, and it's Andre's time to go down to the casino and win some money. And he says to him, you need to, you need to win big, you need to win fast before they start to realise that something's up. Did we mention the bit when um, uh, the... Who's the guy that... Who's the IMF agent that was pretending to be Cinnamon's husband? That's Andre. Andre, yeah. When he came... When he, he walks over to Prince Costas and Cinnamon at one point. Is that... That's no... When he gets back down to the casino floor. Oh, okay. Right, well, that hasn't happened yet. Okay, well, yeah, I'm jumping ahead. The Prince and Cinnamon have polished off at least one bottle of champagne. Yeah. <laughs> the Prince is a bit tipsy. I think Cinnamon's playing at being drunk because I imagine... There is no man alive on the face of this earth <laughs> that could drink cinnamon cutter under the table. Ah, she looks sober as a, you know, as a judge. She's kind of, you know, she's playing it up a little bit. Mm, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I reckon she can really... But he's like, you know, he's red and red-faced and <laughs> leaning at a really weird angle next to her. And <laughs> Yeah, so um, there's a little bit of an exchange kind of playing up the, the angry husband-wife routine mm. for the benefit of the prince. He looked hilariously uncomfortable, the prince, during this. Yeah, he's like, I don't want any part like, of this. Oh, I didn't sign up for this. I thought I was just going to, you know, yeah. have my way with cinnamon. Yeah. So um, Andre goes over, settles in on the roulette table. Costas wants to take cinnamon back to his villa, so <laughs> they get ready to leave. He almost rumbles that there's something up with her little handbag. Yeah. He's like, this, this weighs quite a lot. It's quite <laughs> quite chunky. So she, she sort of takes that off him and... Yeah. He wraps her fur coat slash money bag around her shoulders. <laughs> but as they're going past the roulette table, Cinnamon convinces him mm. to stay and watch her husband lose loads of money, basically. <laughs> yeah. And she pops her handbag on the roulette table and really not particularly inconspicuously pushes it right close to the wheel. <laughs> <laughs> so the sensor obviously is inside the handbag. Willie puts in an appearance in his suit with the computer stitched into it. He stands behind where Andre is sitting at the table. Yes, yeah, yeah. And the wheel spins and the numbers on the watch face start to spin. Yep. And Andre starts to place his bets and he mm. starts to win, much to the aggravation <laughs> of Prince Costas. <laughs> <laughs> and so Andre plays up the fact that he because his, his wife is there with another man. Mm. He wants to really take every bit of penny off yeah, of the prince yeah. that he can manage. <laughs> um, up in the hotel room, Rollins starts to mark up some cards of his own with to match the markings on the other ones. Yeah, very impressively so. Yeah, what he said to me is Rollins' steady hand. steady hand. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's just using a paintbrush, isn't he? He's just like, Ooh. yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and then it cuts. He, he has a look, checks his handiwork out under the microscope again, and it is, it's like it's been printed, hasn't it, by a computer <laughs> yeah. or something? It's, it's like, like a big, perfect, yeah, big, perfect eight, yeah, on the back, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> <Rolling> steady hand. <laughs> Andre keeps on winning downstairs in the casino. There's, there's a little weird moment. I couldn't quite work out what it was meant to be. I think Willie was reaching over him to place a bet. I, I didn't quite get what he was doing. Um, yeah, I think he was just placing a bet to make it. Looked like he mm. had a reason to be there hanging around or something. Right, like. okay, yeah. But he nudges Andre, so he says, oh, sorry, mate, and he's like, yeah, no worries. Mm. And the prince looks across at his heavies. He's got, like, a couple of heavies. That yeah, he's in the background, yeah. And sends them after Willie, so they drag him away from the table, which is what the IMF don't want, because the no. range that the computer works in relation he's, yeah, to yeah. the sensor is quite small. For, for a really busy casino, they um, there's there's nothing stealthy about what these two bodyguards 
do with Willie at this stage because one of them literally <laughs> literally whips his gun out. It's not even he does like the you know the token kind of close up shot of it being jabbed into his lower back. Yeah. But then it does it it cuts back so you can see all the three of them stand next to each other and he's just standing there, boulders brass with his gun out, pointing at his you know juggler or whatever. But um, yeah, it was like no one's batting an eyelid. Everyone's just carrying on. Maybe it's one of them sort of casinos. Perhaps it happens in every casino. Never been to one, so I don't know. No, I mean either. Yeah. Find out one day. Maybe we should celebrate the end of the first series when we get there. Go and just try and knock off a casino. A, yeah. <laughs> no. 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 <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, so the ad, the sort of ad break cliffhanger is the fact that Willie is out of range and the watch has mm. ground to a halt yep. and uh, they're not going to win <laughs> the money. Uh-oh. Come back from the ad break and Andre's like... What are you doing? Leave him alone. He's my good luck charm. Bring him back. It's fine. Because they were like, oh, we don't like people crowding our customers. Mm, Yeah. It's fine. So they just kind of let Willie go back. So it was a a fun little cliffhanger moment. It was very contrived. Didn't go anywhere, yeah. Yeah. I I was expecting them to pull Willie into a, um, you know, you get like the one-way glass room so <laughs> and I thought they were going to start like trying to duff him up and then he'd get into this massive fight and then they'd punch him and their hand would break <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then the next shot would be them being thrown through the mirror and then he kind of straightens he his tie picks them both up by their shirt collar and bangs their heads together <laughs> but yeah no none of that no, no disappointing we catch up again with Rollin and Barney up in the hotel room and they're arranging the cards into an order that would give, I think it's eight winning hands mm. once he puts them back into the shoe with the rest of the cards when they go back down there. Um, <laughs> Rollin winning hand. <laughs> yeah, Rollin winning hand. Nice. Let's see how many of these we can do. <laughs> um, Rollin's organised an insurance policy, he calls it, isn't he? So it's like mm. a little fan of cards. Yeah, yeah. Uh, taped together or something at the bottom. which Yeah, is... and a weird clear kind of bit of... I don't know what that was actually. Yeah, was sure. yeah, I think it was just tape or something like that. Mm. He can tuck that up his sleeve, and so he, he was with he, Barney at that stage, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, he demonstrates to Barney that he can pretend to be lighting a cigarette. So he's like, he's got the lighter in one hand, the ciggy in the other. Mm. Yeah, and he can, while he's doing that, magic a card up out of his sleeve that he <laughs> needs. You know, the particular one. So that's his insurance policy. So yeah, he pops in the contact lenses and heads off down <laughs> to to play cards. Yeah. Andre, meanwhile, has drawn quite a crowd because he's nearly $200,000 up. <laughs> the prince is In twitching. five minutes. <laughs> yeah, the prince is twitching away. Yeah, going redder. And the croupier says to Andre, that's it, he's broken the bank at the roulette table. Mm. They're closing it down. Andre says, fine, there's plenty of other games in this casino mm. that are still liquid. Yeah. Send my winnings over to the baccarat table. So he goes over that way, still glugging away at his drink. Everyone's drinking a lot in this one. Uh, the crowd go, that have built up, they go over with them. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Cinnamon and the Prince sit down at the back of the table as well. Just as Rollin arrives, buys into the game, they shuffle the cards, as seems to be customary at the beginning of this, and he, they do the reverse of the, the shot of him just sort of fiddling with his suit jacket, mm, yeah, which yeah. is obviously supposed to denote him putting the cards back in. That, that he's, you know, organised. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, it's not really that clear what's no, going those, on. No, the, the sleight of hand scenes that they do in this are... cutaway shots, the like, yeah. insert shots, I think they call them, right. are not clear. In fact, I think it's the same insert shot as the previous one, which also wasn't clear no, what was no. going on. No, so, definitely not. Yeah, so his freshly marked and arranged cards are in with the, with the rest of them. Mm-hmm. 
so they start to play, and Rollin starts to win the money off Andre. Yep. So this is you know the prearranged, all that money they've won off the roulette table, pass it mm. on to Rollin. So he's got a bigger pot of money to play with when he eventually takes on the prince. Yeah. They want to, I, made, I made a note here saying that Rollin on the background table wants to win so much that he turns him into the artist formerly known as Prince Costas. <laughs> Very good. Uh, Willie goes down to the parking lot where he squeezes himself somehow into the driver's seat of, I think it's a bright red Aston Martin DB5. He's, I'm, I'm convinced that's a DB5, the yeah. Goldfinger car. But I've never seen a red one before. It looks it looks weird as a red it car because I'm yeah. always... Oh, I, I, with Aston Mines, because of Bond, no other reason, I, I expect them and think they all should be grey. Yeah, or silver. Um, or or silver, like yeah, yeah, or silvery grey. But they've got they've got these weird... I don't know if... Are they yellow? These two weird yellow like flags. flag poles on the front. Flag poles, yeah. Stuck on the front of the car. I wondered if it was meant to be like um, a diplomatic car. Yeah, like you have with like, like Rolls Royces or something like It would suit a Rolls Royce. A DB5, it looks ridiculous. It on. does, yeah. yeah. Um, Willie looks utterly nonsense inside <laughs> he it. So it's like he occupies, he's sitting in the driver's seat. Yeah. He somehow manages to occupy the entire front of window of the car. Do you know what he reminded me of? Mr. Incredible when he got <laughs> in his car. <laughs> we cut back to Andre and Rollin, and Andre's practically busted now. The bank is like. $20,000 more than Andre's got left. Mm, yeah. So the prince decides to cover him for that bit of money. I think essentially just so he can see him lose. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Ronin's dealing. Getting the cards out of that shoe seems to be a proper struggle. Yeah. I don't, I don't know, know whether the I don't know if the cards, better. there's just too many cards in the shoe or something, but you can physically see him like, rather than a smooth note motion of the card coming out, it's kind of like jerking out. Of you the... can almost see Landau kind of looking towards the director or something to say, should we do, do, do yeah, take we again? Do it again, yeah. 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 But no, they keep it in. And, it, and it, 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 they cut back to him because he deals a few times in it and every time like, he's like there. really struggling <laughs> to get that, um, yeah, rolling not so steady hand. Uh, <laughs> That's my third one. <laughs> keep him coming, keep him uh, coming. So of course, Andre loses his last hand. That's mm, it. Yep, he is he's blessed. out. He's gone. He has a bit of a rage, tries to storm off. Oh, no, he does storm off with cinnamon. He does, yeah. He, he, he marches yeah. her off the table, doesn't he? Uh, Rollin makes pretend that he wants to just take his winnings at this point. He's got a fair, he's got quite an impressive stack of chips at that stage as well, hasn't he? Yeah. He's, where are we? He's $250,000 to the good. Mm. The prince wants an opportunity to win his money back, or the casino's money back at this point, I suppose. Because he, he also says it's nice to have someone who likes to play for large sums of money. Yeah. Rollin obviously agrees, mm. sets the bank for this round at the $250,000. And the prince is like, Sweevy. <laughs> Which apparently I looked up, I think it means like follow up or follow. Okay. I, I guess it's French. I guess. I thought he was ordering a drink. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have what he's having. <laughs> I've already had seven magnums of champagne this evening, but I'll have another one. Yeah, put a quarter of a meal on the table. <laughs> I think if I was gambling a quarter of a meal, yeah, I'd, I think I'd, I'd be need a hammered as well. <laughs> <laughs> so now that it's the prince playing against Rollin, mm. and obviously both of them have got the contacts in to see the marked cards, yeah. there's a change in the way it's shot. So all the cards that we as the audience now see... Mm 
are the marked cards. Yeah, is, so you can see what Rollin and the Prince can see with the markings. And it on helps them. tell the story of how it, the game yeah. is is playing out. I liked that. I, I like that they didn't do that from the off when yeah. they started at, at the back of our table, but um, it was good actually. So Rollin deals and wins. Yeah, because these are these seemingly now are the cards that he fed into the shoe mm. that are arranged to be winning hands for the dealer. Yeah. Uh, so he wins, and the bank is half a million dollars. Mm-hmm. Rollin's like, let it ride. Yeah. <laughs> and the prince, swivy. <laughs> so another drink arrives. He's throwing <laughs> He's throwing uh, good money after bad, he is, which yeah. you shouldn't do when you're gambling. What was yeah. it on the, all the adverts on the telly? It's like, when the fun stops, stop. <laughs> Not for Prince Costas. No. Doesn't like to lose. No, he doesn't. You know, stressing out about himself losing. He makes a comment five minutes before about how, um, what's his name, is a bad loser as well. Yeah, uh, Andre's character. Andre, yeah. yeah. Well, I can't remember his name. It's because they never mention his name. They isn't never yeah. mention his name in the whole episode, yeah. as far as I can tell. No. And it was at this stage when I realised, where was Dan? Oh, yeah. Where is Dan? Dan hasn't... When was the last time we saw him? He was... At the apartment, at the planning stage. That was the last time so we he, saw Dan. So he... I assume he is not on this mission at all. Nope. Doesn't show up. Weird, isn't it? Because you started trying to guess which one of them was Dan in a mask, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. I was like... I was pretty much pointing out every single... First, up, up I thought it pop, was... the pot plants. You were like, is that part yeah. of Dan? <laughs> I, actually, I actually said that as well. I was getting desperate at that stage. You're desperate Dan. <laughs> desperate Dan. <laughs> Oh my god! Um, I was desperate, Dan. I was desperate for Dan. <laughs> desperate for Dan. <laughs> and yeah, because he was. I, I at one point I thought it was. Please tell me his name again. <laughs> Andre. Andre. I'm going to write you that down. Names, honestly. Honestly, my name. Yeah, I'm terrible. Who am names. I? What's my name? <laughs> Andre. No, hang no. on. <laughs> I'm Dan. Dan. Yeah. <laughs> First, I thought it was Andre, and he was going to do a face mask rip, and then it cut to two guards in. The corridors, like no, it's one of them. One of those guards had got really like thick-rimmed glasses and a moustache, some facial and hair, and it looked like those fake like moustache, <laughs> nose glasses. That's why, I, <laughs> <laughs> that's why I thought it was Dan. Then it cut to the plan, and I was like, oh yeah, it's him. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, back to Rollin on the tables. Yeah, so Rollin wins next hand. He's now one million dollars ahead. And again, Rollin makes, he's like, right, I say, I'm going to call it a night, quit while you're ahead, etc. Um, the prince. He, he, he plays that pretty well, actually. He's pretty like. Low yeah, key I'm, about I'm, it, yeah, yeah, he's not like, he's not, he doesn't make a song and dance about it. He's like, thank you're you, me with thank you for the game. Yeah. He'll be like, follow that us shaped blur. We're yeah. gone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the prince, yeah, the prince is desperate for a chance to recoup his money. Uh, Rollin points out at the moment, technically, he hasn't won any money, it's all just chips. Mm. And the prince goes to get his checkbook out. Yeah. And Ronin says, I'd rather be playing for cash, you know, mm. for tax reasons. Tax reasons, yeah. <laughs> so uh, the prince points out that there is no casino in the world that carries the amount of cash required to cover this bet. But I'm playing against you and not the casino, says Rollin, mm. and makes to leave again, forcing the prince's hand. So he says, yeah, the prince is like, stay! <laughs> yeah, orders <laughs> another one of those drinks. <laughs> and says, fine, you can have your way. Mm. I'll be back. And he storms off as fast as his little legs can carry <laughs> yeah. to go and get the cash out of the safe, which is meant to be for Borgman. Yeah. Borgman's in the crowd, kind of watching on. Yes, and you kind of, is, you yeah. can see that he's going, wait a minute. Yeah. 
Where's he getting that money from? Yeah, where's... <laughs> <laughs> Willie's just sitting in the car at this point. I don't know why he went down to the car so early. Mm. Doesn't really need to be there yet. No, no. Yeah, never mind. I thought I, I would have hoped that he would have been snapping those bloody flags off the front of the car because <laughs> if I was going to drive anywhere in that beautiful car, you wouldn't want I would have took them. I would have took them flags off. Tim and Andre in their hotel room are prepping the hidden like lining in Cinnamon's fur coat, mm. which has got lots of little pockets for cash. Yeah, top to bottom. It's, it's a big... I mean, it's one of them, like, gigantic Cruella de Vil fur coats, yeah, isn't it? Huge. It's huge, yeah. Um, and that is stacked. Cinnamon de Vil. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Cinnamon de Vil. <laughs> Costas comes back to the table and dumps a suitcase full of Just money. Just lobs it on the table, doesn't he, yeah? And he's like, fine, there's your, there's your money. One and a mm. half million dollars. Rollin pulls his checkbook out because he needs to make up the extra mm, half a yeah. mil. And he does that with like cashier's checks that are marked up as, was it the Gotham Trust and Savings Bank in New York? Yeah. I was like, shame it isn't just like the Gotham Bank That'd of Gotham great, City. The go. Bank of Gotham. <laughs> Would you like to play some bets? <laughs> Everything is better in Bane voice. It is, isn't it? Yeah. So nervously, sweatily, Beetroot facedly, <laughs> the prince calls Banco. Yeah, so they're about to play, but he can see uh, the first car that's going to come out of the shoe is a zero mm. marked up on the back. Yep. Zero. So he decides to pull a fast one at this point mm. and says, If we're playing for this much money, shall we play with fresh cards? Mm. So Rollins, like, reluctantly has to agree because mm. he can't let on that he knows that they're No, marked. no. Yeah. So this levels the playing field again. Yeah, because they're not. He they're hasn't not arranged the order yeah. of these cards coming out. So, so they get new cards out of packs. They shuffle them up. They load up the shoe again. Yeah, and they play. I can't downplay how tense this scene is. Actually, it is. It's, very it's as tense as the scene where Bond loses his money against the Sheaf in Casino Royale, mm. and you think, uh, how you can the see all the colour drain out of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, and the colour drained out of me watching this because I was thinking, He's, he ain't going to do this. So, Rollin deals. It's a zero for the Prince, mm-hmm. three for Rollin. Yep. Then five for the Prince mm-hmm. and two for Rollin, mm-hmm. which puts both players on five. Yeah, because they can still see uh, the numbers written on the back of the cards. Because yeah, they're all still marked. All cards, I assume, in that casino are marked. Yeah, the Prince just cheats, basically. That's why yeah. it's the game of the Prince. Right? Yeah. He always wins because he, he can cheat all the yeah. time. So both players are on five, and the prince can see that the next card coming out of the shoe will be a one. Mm. So he takes the card, puts him on six. The next card coming out of the shoe is marked up as a nine, which would make Rollin bust. So Costa yes. starts to look pretty confident. Yeah, and he, he doesn't have a good poker face either because he's he's smiling pretty obviously. Yeah. At no looking looking at a card, he doesn't know supposedly, what's underneath. Yeah. He has, so anyone... think he, does he turn them over at any point? Perhaps he does. I didn't catch it. Uh, no, I don't know, actually. Rollin um, like, gets a cigarette out, doesn't he? Mm, yeah. He's <laughs> a really bent cigarette. He is a little it's bit really bent. Yeah. yeah. Kind of adds to the, I don't know, the nervousness that Rollin is trying to portray at this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. And he, you know, he lights his cigarette. And um, the Costas is allowed one little moment of triumph where he's like, the condemned man lights his last cigarette. Yeah, and another giveaway that he knows what the bloody card is because he's like, <laughs> he hasn't even 
flipped his cards over yeah. yet, you know. So Rollin declines to draw a, a third card. Mm. Costas turns his over. Six starts to reach for his money. Yeah. But Rollin's like, hold on a minute. Puts his cards down. It's a three and a four. <laughs> Gasps from the crowd. <laughs> no, that was me. <laughs> Horror from Costas, because he knows that's impossible. Mm. He keeps saying, that is impossible. Yeah, impossible. he says it a number of times to him. He doesn't say anything else apart from that to yeah. him. Because he can't let on that he knows that cheating has been happening yeah. in front of all of these people that he who knew are watching what, them. Yeah. Um, because, of course, Rollin used his insurance that he had tucked yeah. up his sleeve. Mm. <laughs> I don't know where this cash bag appears from. I think perhaps the croupier put it on there. But no, but, I don't know. But Rollin whips it out and starts chucking, chucking his, the money, chucking in really his greenbacks in there. And he's like, "I'll cash out the chips in the morning." Bye. Yeah. <laughs> that whole sequence that was that was incredibly the music kicked horrible off it, and tense. Yeah, there's, there was no like incidental music over the game. Mm. But now that Rollin is getting the money and getting the hell out of there, the music starts up again, and yeah. it's quite. And up to that point, it was I didn't notice when the music stopped. It was there was music throughout the early part of the game, and when you were getting to the last, I think it must have been the last part when they changed the, the deck of cards over. The music completely stopped, and it was so effective. And the look that Prince Costas was giving Roll, Rolling, Rolling when he was um, basically cashing up, mm. and I was like, they're going to kill him. They are actually going to. He's not going to leave this room. And I genuinely believed that. I, I thought they were going to actually do it there and then, because obviously before then, they'd said, you know, you take that amount of money from him, that whole place will be on lockdown, you'll never get it out. Mm. And the guy that played Prince Costas was so believable as someone that could actually do something in that scene. Up until then, he was just sort of like a, well, he's, a nymphomaniac trying to get a um, He's been cinnamon. driven now. <laughs> By desperation, because um, mm. as Rollin dashes off, he goes past Borgman, who kind of shoots yeah. a dagger glare at the prince yeah, and storms yeah. off himself. So the prince is like, crap, I need mm. my money to get my guns. Yeah. Uh, so he I, sends his heavies after Rollin. It's like, he said, that man does not leave the hotel with my money. Yeah. I could have sworn in the next five minutes you would have had Rollin strapped naked to a chair, getting his <laughs> Balls bashed by a rope like Casino Wow. I keep convert, you know, comparing this Casino Wow, but um, I thought they were going to capture him and then things are going to happen. But yeah. I think Fleming would have sued. I think he would have done. So yeah, Rollin hurries off to his hotel room. Barney's there with some string, ties it around the top <laughs> of the bag, and then lowers it down the dumb waiter shaft mm. uh, to the room, the other room where Cinnamon and Andre are. So I guess one floor, two floors below. Yeah, like yeah. That. They. They collect it out of the dumbwaiter shaft and start putting all the cash into those hidden little pockets inside yeah. the fur coat. They zip that up. Cinnamon puts it on. And Andre asks her, how much time do you think you'll need? Three minutes, she says. Off she goes mm. out of the hotel room. And he fetches a revolver out of his case. Mm. Yep. So something is about to go down. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, Rollin and Barney crack the door on their hotel room a little bit to see the heavies, the guy mm. in his that you thought was Dan. In the yeah. court. <laughs> Could uh, have been. They're still there, so they can't really get out of the room. Mm. Cinnamon has gone to the prince's room, and she kind of takes a moment to steal herself. Yeah, she yeah. takes a deep breath, mm. and then knocks on the door. 
and he's kind of pure, preoccupied with his own anger and <laughs> yeah. whatnot. She starts spinning some story, sob story, about how she's had a terrible row with her husband and she thought the prince was going to take her away from all this. And he's yeah, like, yeah. what are you talking about, woman? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got other problems right now. <laughs> 200,000 problems. Yeah, I can't remember exactly how it works, but Andre then puts in an appearance. He just walks into the room, yeah, like, really slowly. Yeah, I think left the door open or something. I think like so, that. yeah. I don't, I don't remember seeing him open the door or, or knock or anything. He was just, just cuts and he's already in the room. He says something like, you play a good game, Prince, but this time you lose. And he's, they cut to the shot of him stood there with the revolver aimed at Yeah, him. yeah. Uh, he makes to shoot the Prince, but bang, hits Cinnamon instead. Yeah. You know blood on her stomach or whatever yeah she goes down yeah Kev started to weep I, I did <laughs> one of the heavies rushes Prince off. Costas did not weep no he started to scheme he did one, yeah. one of the heavies goes to call an ambulance but he stops him he's like he doesn't want to have to explain what's happened to the American consulate so instead mm. put them in his car meaning Andre and Cinnamon's body presumably because I think Cinnamon's yeah. meant to be dead at this point mm. get them into his car without anyone seeing them, leave through the service entrance at the back of the hotel slash casino and head for the border. The border patrol will let the prince's car through without any questions mm. and the, or without even stopping it, in fact. And then once they're on the other side of the border in a different country, they can have an accident, <laughs> yeah. in air quotes. So he's got like two heavies. Mm. One of them goes off with Cinnamon and Andre. Uh, and the other one shows the prince. Andre's carrying cinnamon out of the room, isn't he? Yeah, at this he's stage, yeah. Her so off she's the floor, yeah. yeah. The other heavy shows Costas the cards that Rollin added into the stack. Oh yeah. And he's like, <laughs> uh, and follow he, me. He takes, I love it at that stage. He's he's so angry. He takes it out on the cards. He kind of like splits him in half, slaps them together really hard. <laughs> and they, it's almost like a Robin from the 60s Batman you know when he like does the <laughs> the fist punch into the other hand yeah holy cow Batman yeah <laughs> um, yeah so they storm off to go and square up with Rollin presumably Willie's still waiting in the car yeah <laughs> bless him I don't think he can get out no, I he's, think he's, he's, he's once stuck. he's in he's in <laughs> and he watches as they put Cinnamon in the back of the car with with Andre back in, in the mm. back of the prince's car yep. uh, with Andre and the heavy in the driver's seat and they take off <laughs> Costas and his other man burst into Rollins' room, only to find the two men who had left, been left outside to guard the room trussed up on a pair of chairs, <laughs> yeah. bound and gagged. And they're like, reminded, me, reminded me a bit like um, The Last Crusade, <laughs> when Indy and his dad are like yeah. strapped to that chair in the room. This is how we say goodbye in Germany, Mr Bond. <laughs> Not Mr Bond, Mr. Dr Jones. Dr. Jones. <laughs> So Rollin and Barney are actually legging it downstairs. They mm. arrive at the Aston with Willie and a proper yep. jazzy version of the Impossible. Yeah, good theme version. Music I like that. Playing. Yeah. Uh, they clamber into the uh, into the Aston and Willie drives off like a goddamn maniac. <laughs> that man only has one speed setting, and that is fast. Bat out of hell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, prin- the prince's car is through the border point. And they pull over by the side of the roads, mm. and they're gonna. This is the accident that they're staging. So they open the back doors of the car, where Cinnamon kind of cracks an eye open, <laughs> yeah. sees this heavy looming in on her, and kicks him out <laughs> of the car. Does, does she kick him in the nuts? And he Probably. just goes. He goes flying. So he it? goes tumbling into the dirt. Andre's fighting his guy on his side of the car, <laughs> having a sort of dust up. Yeah, <laughs> Cinnamon 
just pounces on the guy that's on the floor. She goes mental. She's like kicks him all sorts. Yeah. Since, since she's had the, the taste of the uh, the cat fight she had last, oh, yeah, last yeah, episode. It's that, that level of viciousness. Yeah. But it's quite, nice that she's impressive that herself. she's doing that with yeah. that massive bloody coat on as well. <laughs> Stuffed full of cash. Stuffed she probably cash, could have yeah. used the coat to beat the guy to death with. <laughs> <laughs> but no, she just uses her feet. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, it's again nice that again, she's yeah. She just handles it. She is. Mm. She doesn't need the help of Andre because he kind of knocks his guy out with his like finishing punch. Mm. Turns around, seemingly to expecting like, to have to go and wait. Jump in and help her, yeah. But she's she's just sort of stood there. She brushes her hair back. Yeah. Looks at him, gives him a proper sort of raise of the eyebrow <laughs> look. And yeah. Andre, all he can do is smile. And I was like, yeah, right on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was good. I was I was surprised. No damsel at that. in distress here. No, not at all. Which is quite um that's quite ahead of its time. Yeah. You don't you didn't get that very often. I suppose you know, on the Avengers you had Kathy Gale and I've never Emma seen Peel the Avengers were, were kicking ass and taking names all over the place at that time, so Yeah. I saw the movie The Avengers. Yeah. Not not obviously Marvel's Avengers, no, the uh, Sean Connery John, one. John Steed and Mrs. Peel. Yeah. Avengers. I love that show. It's a great show. Is it good? Yeah, Dinah Rigg is. You've seen her in Game of Thrones, right? As, oh God, yeah, Oman. yeah, amazing. She's got yeah, that kind of attitude, but she's also 1960s Dinah Rigg. So we're talking cat suits, nice, and high kicks, and quips and puns, and gentle flirting between her and Steed the whole time. It, honestly, maybe that could be our next series of podcasts. Well, you know what? I'm t- tempted now that I'm talking about. Anyway, many, anyway sorry, I was going to. <laughs> I was going to start asking you how many of those did they make and I was going to start asking, quizzing you about uh, the Avengers. <laughs> That's a conversation for another day. For another time. Probably off air as well. So. Yes. Willie's still driving like an absolute lunatic. <laughs> they blast through the border post. I think this is like the ninth yeah. border post that they have absolutely destroyed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Guns what, in firing. this one episode? Yeah. Guns firing in their wake. Yeah. Um, they love driving through a border post, don't they? They do. They catch up with... <laughs> Where Andre and Cinema just sort of stood by the side of the road, with two guys laid out on the on the dust behind them, <laughs> looking you know just like pretty chill. Just yeah, like, We're out waiting for, nice for everyone stroll. else. Yeah, they pull up and they open the passenger side door, and Rollin, who's squeezed in the back with Barney in those little seats in the back, uh, he says, "We've we've only got room for one, and we choose her." <laughs> But, he says what everyone would else would be thinking in that scenario. <laughs> but he's joking. There's actually room for somehow. Of course, yeah. Somehow there's room for both Cinnamon and Andre in the front of the Aston with Willie. Yeah. Doesn't how look, the hell that... I, does how the hell that worked? I don't, yeah, it, it, it didn't look great. <laughs> Although, you know, Rollin with his... Um, something I want to introduce to this podcast. IMB. Impossible Mission Bants. Oh yeah, good Bants. <laughs> we could see if we could do um, we could do some Bants in our podcast, but um, yeah, he, he he had some good ones. I think he was probably so relieved after getting out of there. I reckon so. He, he was, was just like, I'm gonna just one line on my way out of this this sea. He's read Casino Royale and he knows <laughs> the way what happens <laughs> if you don't get out of casinos yeah. in one piece. <laughs> yeah, Rollin says the prince was pretty upset at losing his money. <laughs> And Cinnamon sort of rolls her eyes and says, he'll just have to learn that money won't buy happiness. And Rollin, with a chuckle, says, sometimes it won't even buy your guns. <laughs> Willie hits the oh, gas Rollin. and the IMF zoom off into Absolutely the end Absolutely vomit out of there, yeah. Mission accomplished. And Great mission. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant, that one. Yeah. Tight as a drum. 
There was no yeah. extra material in it, no padding. Mm. Just, yeah, rocketed along that one. I'd say it was my favourite episode. I think it's certainly the most kind of accomplished from it, both yeah. a technical and a writing standpoint as mm. well. The performances yeah, were all good. Although we didn't have Dan in it, I didn't, you didn't really... Nothing against Dan, but you didn't really miss him in it. You didn't need him in it, I don't think, either. Well, it kind of felt to me that because Andre is just a bit of a cipher, he hasn't got any special skills. It's not like they mm. needed him to be like an expert gambler or something. No. Seemingly he can take his drink. That's about the only skill <laughs> that I can yeah. fathom out. It, he is a bit of a cipher, I think, for Dan. And I wonder whether, for whatever reason, Stephen Briggs... Stephen Briggs, Stephen Hill mm. wasn't available. Maybe. And they just needed a standing. Because mm. the way the. Dan could have played that character. Yeah, and he could have been him kind of squaring off against the prince as the angry husband, quote mm. unquote, and him playing rolling on the back of yeah, the table yeah. and losing. The way the Impossible Mission Facebook scene is shot, when he pulls all the other ones out of the dossier, he look, you, see, you get a shot of him. Yeah. Looking down at the picture he's taken out. Mm. You don't with Andre's one. It's just some hands taking it out looking of the Looking down at the, you the see photo. It, and then they drop it on the table. So it could have been anyone's hand. So I oh, wonder if that okay. was kind of an insert shot. Right. But then Andre is in the apartment scene with yeah, Dan. Yeah, with Dan. So he couldn't have been... Unless it was some clever, clever editing. Was he ever in the same shot as Dan? I think... Well, yeah, I think he, they were kind of... A, Either end of the roulette table, but mm, yeah, um, you know, I don't... yeah, something was a bit odd about that. But um, God, yeah, what an amazing episode! I mean, you say it was, you know, it was punchy and the pacing was nigh on perfect in that episode. A um, couple of editing issues, obviously, with the sleight of hand that Rollin mm. uh, did. But I don't know. I mean, would that be because we've just come out of watching a two-parter, which felt dragging in places or no I think it, I don't know, really. I think it was particularly good particularly mm. tight I think yeah I mean I, I see what you mean the last one was you know just f- full of padding material mm. old old man out yeah but uh yeah going back to to Dan started I, you know I look as we go to each episode at the behind the scenes bit for each episode mm. um, yeah and I th- it seems as though they were having a few problems behind the scene with Stephen Hill, he had in his contract particular stipulations that were to keep things in accordance with him being an Orthodox Jew. So mm. they have particular uh, rules that they live by. Okay. Um, one of them is that he had to be have stopped working and be offset before sundown every Friday. Right. Okay. And Friday for television productions was, or perhaps probably still is. One of the big working days. Like the prime time kind of yeah. filming schedules, yeah. And uh, Mission would very often work until midnight and still be behind schedule <laughs> because of how much they had, to, yeah, had yeah. to get through. So I wonder whether they were already, you know, six episodes in, starting to run into problems with him right. not being available when they needed him to be available mm. to maybe, as a exercise to catch up with themselves... Decided to do an episode where he wasn't in it so much. Right, okay, yeah. I want, you know, that was just one mm. one thought I kind of extrapolated from that. I don't know whether there's any basis to it. No, no, it would make sense though. 
And it sounds as though they were struggling with the schedule at this point because, you know, we said about the insert shots not being particularly clear mm. what was happening in places. Yeah. This episode, there were so many insert shots that were needed. So, you know, of the cards, of the roulette wheel, of mm. the watch spinning round, all that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, they were taking up so much time on the shoot that they went a day and a half over schedule. This is after going, what was it, nearly three days over schedule on the last, on the yeah, last one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they still hadn't completed everything that they needed, right. so they had to set up a separate crew just to shoot. Oh, like a second unit shots. just to do right. Uh, so it was insert shots for this one, and also stuff that they still needed for Old Man Out. No way, right? So, I so think they're doing they were it all at really, the same time. Really struggling with the schedule at this point, mm. trying to work out how the hell to make this TV program. <laughs> so yeah, I, I just think maybe there was a scheduling thing or something made. Stephen Hill unavailable, maybe they just had to rejig, but yeah, that still doesn't quite make sense of why both of them were in the apartment scene, the planning scene. Because if Dan was going to, unless go they in, filmed that after, maybe then when. But why does Dan still say I am going to need to walk around? Mm, yeah, in the computer in waistcoat the... thing. Oh yeah, that's. Yeah. And if Dan has been weird, on the mission, yeah. what part did Andre play? Yeah, because you'd assume that Dan would play the. The sort of jilted husband part as well. Yeah, you would think that. But then if he was wearing the vest, he would be playing Willie's part. Who would Willie be? Maybe Willie would have been the husband and he would have had some... Yeah, interesting, yeah. Some mystery, perhaps we'll never get to the bottom of that one. No. Yeah, we were kind of saying this episode's pretty well constructed. Mm. Um, It's the first one that's written by a writing team, which seemingly are going to crop up quite a bit going forwards. That's Um, good. So it's this uh, William Reed Woodfield and a chap called Alan Bolter who were a freelance writing team. Mm. Um, they were called in by the uh, the producer Joseph Gampman when he was struggling to find writers and scripts that were going to work for the show. Okay. Bruce Geller, the creator, would rewrite scripts that other people had written but seemingly never initiated any stories himself. <laughs> right, okay. Um, so he was like a script doctor, basically. Yeah, seemingly only wanted to work in a very supervisory way. Because <laughs> okay. do you remember I, in the pre, the like introduction episode, he kind of didn't want it to be picked up for the series. No, I remember you saying in the... He um... wanted it to be a demonstration of his writing skills. Because mm. apparently he never created what they call like the, the show Bible, which is what you would... Give to mm. writers that give the background of the and characters. the rules of the characters and the structure and what you have to do. Basically, it's a do and uh, like what you can do and what you can't do, isn't it? For yeah. the show, yeah, yeah. Never did any of that. Okay. Never did any background for any of the characters. So he's like the opposite of say George Lucas, who was like up until he sold every minute detail. Yeah. Yeah. No details. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, Gantman brought in these two chaps. Um, and they were seemingly a bit like chalk and cheese. Woodfield was quite a big character, quite outgoing. Mm. Uh, and Bolter was sort of more quiet. A bit but, introvert, yeah. Yeah, but apparently it worked, you know, it worked. They worked really well as a team. Mm. And uh, Odds on Evil was the first script that they put in. Okay. They weren't particularly pleased with it. But uh, Gantman rang them up and he loved it so much that he hired them to be story consultants for the whole series. And they'd actually end up writing 10 of the episodes of the first season together. Oh, okay. that's uh, good. And they weren't even happy with this they script. Yeah, which baffles me because it's pretty good. Yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah. yeah. It seems as though they have a hand in... Because this very much introduces 
the idea of the IMF operating as con men mm. in this one. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is a thing that has cropped up in the movies as well. There's yeah. The, in the the skyscraper in Dubai, and they're running a kind of a con, aren't they? They've that's right, yeah. duplicated the hotel rooms. That's right, yeah, because um, Ethan has to meet with some... Is he an arms dealer or something? He, he has to meet someone in that in that room, doesn't he? Something like that. And then they yeah. have to... They think they're meeting someone else, but it's Ethan. Um, so, yeah, well, it sounds as though uh, we can look forward to more... Woodfield and Bolter Good. crackers. Yeah, and if this is an episode they weren't happy with, bring on the ones they were. <laughs> yeah. That was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant episode. Um, yeah, that's it. I'm out of facts. Yeah. Good facts, man. I like I like the facts. Um rating of the villain, because you know you know how much I love the villains in this series. I thought Prince Costas was a bit of a down step from previous villains. I think he had to just be despicable enough for you to want him to get beaten and cleaned out mm. of all his money. Yeah. You know, yes, he was going to attack a neighbouring country or whatever, but seemingly that was just out of greed. They wanted the oil or mm. something like that. Yeah. She's but like- yeah, he's not, he wasn't a scenery chewer like. What was his name? Soska. Yeah. Old teeth guy in memory. <laughs> teeth and he guy, wasn't yeah. a proper monster like Rogosh was. No. But that leaves us on to one last thing to do. Oh, yeah. Uh, mission unguessable. Did we get anywhere near with our guesses last week? What did well, I guess? we said... I um, guessed that IMF versus the mob. That wasn't anywhere near the mark. And... That Cinnamon lost lots of money in Vegas. No. <laughs> uh, you said they were going to be trying to recoup the budget of the previous episode. <laughs> I forgot about that. Or it was Casino Royale, which actually... Pretty close. Re- reasonably close. Yeah, yeah. One. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. Right, Mission so, Unguessable. Uh, so this will be episode seven, are we on next week? Uh, yeah, episode seven. Yeah. Next All week right. or... Because we might be changing up the schedule a little bit on the release of these, just to buy us more time. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, that's a good point. So the, after this week, there's a chance that episodes might be coming out... Every other week. Every other week, that's so fortnightly. Like yeah. Just to keep you, uh, you know, treat, treat you mean, it's keep just, you keen. Yeah, <laughs> it's just the two of us. We both yeah. work nine to five, Monday to Friday. You've got two children. I do. I've got an extensive action figure collection that requires maintenance, so... <laughs> You know, we we've got to find time for the rest. Yeah, of we our do lives. have our plates, We'll keep we'll keep cool. these coming for you. We will, yeah. Um, as regularly, just... uh, yeah. I I want to stick to every other week. Yeah, I think that's doable. Yeah, yeah. Apologies, you guys, if you are um, if you do want them weekly, but um, tough. Yeah, tough. <laughs> just gonna have to wait. <laughs> anyway. In the nicest possible way. Tough. Mission un- mission unguessable. Here we go. <laughs> for here we go. Oh, no. We don't even know what episode. <laughs> Right, some oh, some judo chops, a nice bit of wig action. Dan, Dan's in this one. A lot of telephones. Judo chop. Another chop. Uh, this is a prison. It looks yeah, an awful like lot a, like. Oh look, a lot of women busting out of a prison. Oh, someone just got shot. Was that Barney getting shot? I don't know. Car chase. Car chase. It's good. Wait, that okay? <laughs> just went clean through that? a wall. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, mission, oh uh, episode God. seven, wheels, wheels. Wheels. Is the okay, title. wheels. Right, I spotted not I think, a Foo Fire song. <laughs> I think I spotted both the ambulance from Operation Rogosh yeah. and the the prison set 
from Old Man Out, I think Did that you? was, maybe. It looked all very similar. Oh. If, it, if it wasn't the prison set of an Old Man Out, it was definitely the prison set, castle set from Rogosh. I guess they were it like, wasn't. It wasn't the ambulance from the episode where they leave the face on the tarmac. Oh, no, they left no, on a plane there, they didn't they? They left on a plane in that one. Right, so we saw Dan. Dan seemingly is definitely in this one. Yeah. Delivering a judo chop to a guy driving a car. Yeah. He, Dan's in the back. Judo chops the other guy. <laughs> prison break yeah there was a there was a shot with a load of women being broken out of a prison mm. and um my 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 fault is that they're recreating big trouble in little china <laughs> and they've got to get those um they've got to get them out of uh out of the prison with the three storms in it <laughs> <laughs> and lopan that would be great so imf do big trouble in little china, trouble in little china. not a bond film no <laughs> just, just a film. Yeah, there's a good shot of the um, the ambulance crashing into. Was that a shop? Yeah, kind of shop front, straight through a wall or through a shop front. Or I don't know like what was that. going on there. There was a lot of Willie, a lot of judo chops. Right, Willie really wants donuts and doesn't want to have to pay for them, so he just ram raids a donut <laughs> shop. That's my yeah. guess. He's got to get them Krispy Kremes. <laughs> <laughs> They're good. They're good, man. They and are. He's a grown yeah. boy. I'd judo chop my way through a Krispy Kreme. Or sorry, to a Krispy Kreme. Do not chop a Krispy Kreme into equal portions so that you can. Oh eat man! It. Anyway, well, yeah, I yeah. think that's that's my. Yeah, I'm all out. I think. Yeah, that one. Was Big drum, little China, crossed with getting some Krispy Kremes on the way. Oh, well, we'll see. We'll find out next time. Yeah, see you in a fortnight on the Impossible Missions podcast. Yeah, see you Good then, night. guys. <laughs> <laughs>